All of you are searching for significance. You're searching for a purpose. There is a passion and a yearning that says to you, there's more to this. There's more to this. God never intended for us to just exist. God provided for each and every one of us an opportunity to do something that He has positioned us to do. You have a call on your life. It's my passion to see you connect with your passion. It'll change your life. Hey everybody and welcome back. I wanted to be upfront and honest and just do a simple conversation with you today concerning some things that have bothered me for quite a few years. And it has to do with the way that uh, people talk about the return of Christ. And as much as I am looking forward to that particular day, whether whether I'm still here or maybe I'll be with the Lord first. Who knows? Nobody really knows the time and the date. But for some reason, we seem to have put a lot of um, emphasis and a lot of busyness about predicting the return of the Lord. And it's, it's, it, it's a great subject. There's many people that have committed many hours and for some people one person I personally knew of many years ago he he committed his entire life he told me once that he says I've never I've never ventured very far out of the book of revelation and you know I, when I first heard that I was like well that's pretty interesting that uh, guy's really committed himself to that but then as I began to think about it, as time went on, I'm like, you know what? There's more to our lives than being expectant or waiting on the return of the Lord. And for me, maybe it's just me, but when we present that to a lot of people, when we make sermons and teachings and books and, and so on and so forth about that. And I'm not against it. I'm just saying, have, have we come to a point where when we hear these things, that when any type or kind of dysfunction happens in the world, any kind of chaos, any kind of uh, significant issues take place, do we mentally, physically, do we emotionally, do we verbally begin to say, oh, the Lord's returning now. It, it must be that way just because, well, sign of the times, this is all happening. I, I wanted to point out a particular scripture, and there's more than enough to, to talk about, but when it comes to the return of Christ, even though Jesus mentioned it, and talked about the signs of the times. He said that until the kingdom is preached to all the world, then the Lord will return. And it was kind of after when he, when he made the statement that, you know, there's wars and rumors of wars and famines and pestilence and stuff, which we see today. But when I think about these things, I think about over the past few hundred years, several hundred years, where people have gone through 
uh, significant seasons in their nation's history, in, in, in their family, in their country, wherever it might be. You know, I'm reminded of the Civil War. How many people back then would have said, oh, the Lord's going to return? Then, you know, we, we talk about the Revolutionary War, the, the, the World War I, World War II, um, the Crimean War. I mean, history has been filled with war after war after war. We have seen and heard of famine and pestilence that have happened in other countries, that have happened in, in other places, significant places around the world. So if we have been, um, what's the word I'm looking for? If we have been prepared for this event by looking at what is taking place in society, why has the Lord not returned? Why have we put an incredible amount of time and emphasis on this particular subject when there's more than this in the Word of God? And so I just want to touch on this today. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm venting. I'm not sure. I'd love to hear or read if you want to comment and however you want to connect with me. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I know that the return of Christ is important. But if we have put so much of ourselves or the, so much of the church into seeing this event take place in our own lives, then ha- have we just stepped aside? Have we left culture to take care of itself so that we can function in this exit strategy? And so, you know, I hope I'm making sense this morning. I, I, I don't want to just kind of ramble on just to make, make a podcast. But I was reading this morning, and I guess that's what's prompted me to get on and and put forth a a podcast. When I read the account in Matthew 16, 16, where Jesus, Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? And some say, I mean, some say that, oh, you're Elijah and you're John the Baptist and you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But when Jesus turned to Simon Peter, he said, you know, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter responded by saying, you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, yeah, absolutely. You are favored and privileged, Simon, son of Jonah, for you didn't discover this on your own, but by my father in heaven that has supernaturally revealed it to you. And he goes ahead and makes this statement to Peter. And I think in some respects, we've not fully understood this particular passage because we've always related it around Peter. But it was not around Peter. It was not for Peter. It was for the church and the revelation of who Christ is. But he says these words to Peter. I give you the name Peter, a stone. Now, when we look at that reference, it represents a pebble or a small rock. And then Jesus proceeds uh, to go ahead and say, and this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, 
my legislative assembly. This is from the Passion Translation. And when we look at that, there's a lot of translations that don't set up that particular passage by saying, and this truth of who I am. In other words, the truth that Peter recognized that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus talks about that truth. He didn't talk about Peter being the rock on which he would build his church. He talked about Peter having the uh, revelation of Jesus being the Christ, the Son of the living God. And because of that revelation, that Jesus builds his church upon his rock, the truth of who he is. And with that being understood, with that being made very open, it, it was a collective statement of saying, look, I'm going to build my church. And I think if we take this at face value, then I think man has done a, an injustice because we have tried to build the church of Jesus Christ for so many years the man has got his self in the way. We've tried to impose, and in, in maybe in a naive way, maybe in a controlling way, maybe in a manipulative way. Uh, and, and I think, generally speaking, I think we have gone into this on attempting to build the church with the understanding that we're doing God's work, that we're wanting to really establish the Lord's work on earth, the Lord's work in the communities, the cities, the society that we live in. I think, unfortunately, we've got too ingrained and in, in the fact that we want to build the church. I think that we've gone off track. And I, you know, there's a lot of churches out there that are doing phenomenal works. They're great places. Uh, the, the, the ministry and the ministry teams and the leaders that are established and associated with these great churches, they're great people. I don't, I'm not, I don't have anything against them. But what I'm saying is, have we as man been so busy about utilizing our own abilities, our own hands, and our own time to build something that the Lord never told us to build because he said that he will build it? Now, this may sound a little foreign because we've we've taken the time to build houses, homes of worship, churches, uh, cathedrals over the centuries, and they're tremendous edifices of what we consider a, a, a godly work, a refuge where people can turn to. But I think we've come to a place over the years where, you know, the, the building itself doesn't really represent anything more than just simply housing groups of individuals, groups of people that come to worship and be equipped under the direction of God and the leadership of the ministry that's established in the church. And so when we look at these things, it's difficult for us to look aside and and, and look outside of the walls because when we talk about the church, we see a physical structure. We don't necessarily see a group of people that have been equipped in a specific place, but are purposed to be launched into culture to make a difference. 
And when Jesus says in that statement in Matthew 16 about, and this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly. And in the Passion Translation, it says, and the power of death will not be able to overcome it. And the NAS, and I believe the NLT version, they talk about the gates of Hades. Now, when we look at this, it's not the, the, the pit or the, um, the bottomless pit of hell that we're talking about. We're talking about gates that have been established in culture and within environments that are the overruling, lording uh, establishments that direct and dictate to culture and to the governmental system, the political system, the, 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 the things that we give attention to, we read and listen and the media and, and anything that has to do with anything that's outside the body of Christ or outside of the church. And you know what? I think when we look at these scriptures, I don't think we fully understood what they do represent. And you know where I stand when embracing the fact that every single person has an assignment. They have a purpose. They have something that God has positioned them to do. And it's it's been the the lockdown. Uh, maybe I shouldn't use that word, especially during this pandemic. But have we locked ourselves down in the body of Christ, in the church? Have we succumbed to certain teachings that it's like, you know what, maybe I've been missing it. Maybe everything that I have put my worth into, maybe everything that I have uh, wanted to be, I've... I've kind of gift-wrapped it and put it into a position of me just functioning in a role at church, feeling that that's my assignment in life. And for some, a small, a, a small percentage of people, that is their call. They ought to be in the body of Christ. They ought to be in the, 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 the church and the assembly to help direct and help lead and help nurture and equip believers. But when it comes to the masses of believers that have succumbed or are given themselves to the teachings in the church, to the teachings from ministerial platforms around the globe, I think we've, we've come up against a brick wall. Because I think a lot of people are, at least I was many years ago, after being in the church, I've been in the church over 30 years, but probably after about 20 years, 18 to 20 years, I begin to look at things differently. And you've heard my previous podcasts on this, so I'm not going to go into any detail about it. But the fact that I had committed so much of my time and pushing aside the thoughts, the desires, the dreams about being a successful businessman, about being in the marketplace making money, and I, I suppressed that. I pushed that aside because I didn't think it was spiritual enough. I didn't think it was godly enough because I considered myself to be wanting to be in a role in ministry in the church. Well, when I look at the gates of Hades that have been established in society, and it's not just from a national standpoint, it's from a community standpoint, a city standpoint, what are some of the gates that have been established 
that aren't that have not come under a legislative assembly of the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to build his church on the rock, and the gates of hell and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. When we are given the responsibility of the kingdom of God to initiate interaction within the marketplace, then we are to go into all the spheres that make up the marketplace. And every sphere is a gate. Now, if we took a look at uh, the political establishment, if we took a look at arts and entertainment, religion, family, the, the economy, the banking systems, the, the educational uh, arena, how many of these gates would you consider to be secured for the kingdom of God? And I, I look at it even in my own city, and I would say none. None have been secured for the kingdom of God because I believe the religious side of society has come to the place where it, they just function within one group in one place once a week, and then they function outside of that in their job. And so wh where does that leave us? If we are to take the words of Christ truly for what they are, truly for how he describes them, then when he says that the gates of hell will not overpower it, will not overcome the church, the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, then as ambassadors, as we are called to administrate the kingdom of God, as we are bearers and carriers of this great news how are we supposed to be able to affect society when we keep it at arm's distance, when we complain about it, when we have bitter rants about it, when we have churches that are divided, where, where, where we see ministers out in the marketplace protesting and yelling and screaming? I mean, how is that a representation of the kingdom of God and the body of Christ? When we are a divisive movement, then we can't expect anything good to come out of it. But when we come into a unified collective agreement that Jesus is responsible for building his church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And knowing that this revelation represents where we live, where we operate, and how we understand what God is doing in our lives then we are to take it out of the four walls. We are to be able to be uh, positioning ourselves to make a difference in every gate, every system, every area of influence that has promoted and propagated itself to control culture. We need to be establishing the kingdom of God in every area of our life, every aspect of our life. You know, even if you're a student, right now, even if you go into college, you're learning things on how the world operates. And uh, I'm sure that there are certain agendas in certain classes that you go to that the teacher wants to promote. And maybe it's not in all of it, maybe the subject matter is really taught the way it needs to be taught. But I'm sure, like everything else, there's always an agenda. So when we become learned of the world systems, why can we not filter that through the kingdom? You know what? <clears throat> when Moses was put in the house of Pharaoh, 
Moses was educated in the ways of Egypt. Moses was educated in the traditions and the culture of what took place in Pharaoh's house. So when the Lord called him, he knew the workings of Egypt. He knew the workings of that nation, and he was able to take advantage of that because he was very skilled and very knowledgeable. And the same with Daniel and the, the, the three guys that he was with. They were learned. They were of many languages. They were taught. And <clears throat> we have, I, I think we have aborted that side of things that we say, okay, I'm educated in this particular arena. And, you know, all my kids, they're, they've all gone through education and they're all operating and functioning in places that really connect with their heart. It's a driving passion in their lives and they're making a difference. But when they add the kingdom aspect to it, as we all do, we see it in a different light that they can say, okay, I understand what I've learned. Now when I establish a kingdom filter that I can use this to, for lack of a better word, infiltrate these particular arenas, establish the kingdom of God, bring solutions to problems and answers to questions. So when we enter into 2021, regardless of who's in office, because I know that this has been a, a pivotal time, we're going through a lot of uh, ups and downs throughout the entire globe. And, you know, where does this end up? What if it's the worst case scenario? What, what are you going to do? Are we just going to hunker down and say, oh, Jesus is going to return next Sunday morning at uh, 8.57 a.m. and I'm going to have my bags packed and I'm ready? No. First of all, you're not going to know that time and day. Secondly, there's too much work to be done. You know, we just can't cuddle up in a corner and uh, take the presumptuous uh, fetal position and just pass away. No, we have been given responsibility for the gifts, talents, and abilities that the Lord has positioned upon our lives. Now it's time for us to be responsible to use that in the areas of influence, in the areas that God has called us to. And one of those things that I'm going to be presenting in 2021 is the Destiny Tribe course, where, <clears throat> and for some of you, you, you've taken it, for some of you, you've heard about it. For those that haven't, it's the ability to gather as a group of individuals in a, in a program setting where I'm able to teach and excavate without, out from the lives of individuals the assignment of God for their lives, at least in this particular season. And it's, it, it's imperative that we become knowledgeable about what God has called us to do. And we, we want to see culture change. We want to see the kingdom of God impact every aspect of our lives, every aspect of our work lives, the, the, the state that we live in, the nation that we live in. And this, this is one key component of being able to identify what God has called you to do. And Destiny Tribe is all about that. Our passion is to see you connect with your passion. And it unearths the passion 
that may have been pushed to the side for so many years that they had a dream and a desire as a child and it's either been forgotten, it's been pushed aside or they've been talked out of it. But you know what? God is never done with us. As long as we have breath (laughs) and we're taking in nutrition and of course Thanksgiving we're going to be taking in a lot of nutrition but there's the we have a responsibility for what God has blessed us with. So let's not forget these things. Let's be thankful for 2020. It's almost over. And I guess December 31st, I'm going to say, Lord, thank you for getting us through 2020. It was a heck of a year. But let's take 2021 by the horns and just or by the scruff of the neck and just say, you know what? This is our year. This is my year. I'm going to connect with the very things that God has called me to do. And for those of you who are going to make yourselves available to the Destiny Tribe teaching, it's going to take place in mid to late January time and location yet to be determined. But I want to be able to connect with you. I want to be able to see individuals embrace their God-given ability, passion, dream, and drive that they can step into that arena that God has called them to and that we can be actively engaged in making a difference because it's Jesus' responsibility to build the church. It's our responsibility to take what what he has given to us, go into the gates and establish the kingdom of God as gates of influence and gatekeepers within every aspect of society. Because the kingdom of God is the ruling factor. It's the dominion and the domain of Christ. And he has given that responsibility and authority to us, which is an amazing gift. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate your time. God bless you. And just continue to connect, share, like, subscribe, and pass this on to as many people as you know. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Paul Barrett. I want to encourage you to stay involved with us and continue the conversation online by going to our Facebook page, The Destiny Tribe. You can also visit us at www.thedestinytribe.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast series, please make sure that you subscribe to it. Thank you.